Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I want to ask the parents in the room, have your kids ever wanted to do something that was dead wrong? And you were absolutely against it, and you knew it wasn't going to turn out right, but they were so set. I'm sorry for any of you kids in here feeling awkward. I see them back there. What are you doing to me? And they wanted to do it, and the parents said no, but you knew it was going to be a knock-down, drag-out fight. So you just said, okay, just do it then and find out what happens, okay? Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but my in-laws and his parents are here. And if either one of y'all want to get up here and give a, an example of how that may have gone down. Okay, there's not enough time. Ray, you preach too long. Move. Uh, but so you just step back and it's like, all right, okay, we'll find out what happens. I mean, you're not going to let it get too far, but you're going to let them find out. Here's what happens when you do it your way. And all you parents, you learned how to say no to that because you did the same thing yourself once too, didn't you? So... That's kind of the situation we're in with 1 Samuel 12. Israel wanted a king. God had been saying no. And they're like, well, we want him anyway. And so he's just kind of like, okay, let's just see what happens. I'll let you find out what happens when you do it your way. Because, you know, you can tell people, look, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. They're like, eh. But you let them do it. And then they find out. Now it's not just that I told you. It's I found out myself and now it really means more i think that's what's kind of going on between god and the israelites here so here we are at the coronation in first samuel 12 verse 1 now samuel said to all israel indeed i have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you and now here is the king walking before you and i am old and gray-headed and look my sons are with you I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated us. Or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. It's interesting how Samuel had addressed the people about his age during Saul's coronation. Now, why would he do that? He said, I'm getting old. And Saul's stepping in. It's kind of like, guys, it's kind of like, listen, Saul's coming in. And I'm going out. Evaluate your scenario here. I'm limited. Saul's fresh. (laughs) Saul has been distinguished as king while Samuel asked the people to review him. 
to see if they could detect any flaws or morality issues within his life. Have I wronged you, he asked. Have I taken anything from you? And their answer, their collective answer was no. You hadn't done anything wrong. So, you know, why did Samuel ask the people to review him like this? Why did he say, look for any flaws in me? Well, he's about to give them a lot of heavy information to consider, and he wants to make sure they're going to receive it. He wants to make sure they're really going to listen to him. It's like, you really analyze me. If you find any reason not to listen to me, bring it up now. Because if I did wrong in front of everybody, I want to fix it so that we can get on with that and move past it. And then I've got things to tell you I really need you to hear. Now, this is the, re- the accountability, the responsibility of a minister. And I feel that with Samuel here. I feel it. Because I've got to make sure I haven't wronged any of you. Sometimes some of you have come to me and said, Ray, um, I want to talk to you about something, and we'll hash it out and figure it out. And, and if I was off, then I'm sorry, and we'll, we'll make it right. That's kind of what he's doing. He wants you to listen. Just like me, I want you to listen. I'll be with the same with Samuel. If I ever wronged you, tell me. Maybe I don't know that I did it, so say something. I want you to trust what I'm saying. So he's about to give them some information. He wants them to receive that. He wants to establish his life as one of being trustworthy so that they will trust what he's about to tell them. Guys, if you don't trust your ministers, are you going to listen to them? No. You're going to leave and you're going to go somewhere else. But let's first realize that Samuel had to live his entire life with integrity, with oneness. He did not flip-flop around. He wasn't bad one year and then good another year and then in and out. He said, from the time I was a child until now, I'm gray and I'm old. He's showing them, I've been at this a long time. And there's a lot of time in there to find a flaw in somebody. Well, remember 50 years ago when you went and did this, and you know, but he never did. He's like, guys, I put in all this work to build relationship with you all this time, do you have anything against me at all? And they're like, no. I'm like, whoo, Samuel, man, you're awesome. Because if you knew me over 20 years ago or so, you'd hate me. I was not a good guy. I was not a good guy at all. Samuel has a good testimony. And that's why it's important for you to have a testimony, a good story about your life. Because you want to be able to validate what you're saying to people when you tell them about the Lord. So Samuel never ran with the crowd. He never sided with whatever was popular just so he could fit in. He chose for the entirety of his life, he chose the righteousness of God and stayed there. Because now he gets to cash in on it. Now he gets to tell people this heavy news coming and he had to spend his whole life earning the right to say what he's about to say. You ever wonder if your life has any purpose sometimes? Well, what's it all for? Nobody's paying attention to me anyway. You live righteously. You live right. Don't slip. Don't mess up. I know we do sometimes, but if you do, make it right with people and move on because you'll come to a point where you stand before people and say, look, I have something to say to you and you're going to want them to listen. You see what Samuel's doing here. He's trying to demonstrate a godly standard in his life. It's very hard to maintain this level of integrity that Samuel has done because on one hand, you're tempted to give in and join up with your friends. Hey, Ray, come on, let's go out tonight. Let's go to that bar over here and let's do this. And I'm like, I can't. And often I'm the one that doesn't get to go. And part of me says, I wish I could do it, but I have a standard to maintain, even for them. 
even for my wife, for everybody, my family, I have to show them. There's going to be a lot of times you get counted out because you want to live holy, set apart unto God. There's going to be those times. You look like the nerd. You're the dork. You're the odd guy out. Hey, take it as honor. Take it as honor. This is what holiness is. Set apart. I'm not like y'all. I'm saving myself for the Lord. There's going to come a time the people who are not listening to you finally will. And you will have had to have earned that spot. Samuel spent decades. He's an old man now. Decades. Years of maintaining a serious discipline for living right before the Lord. Just so that he can tell the people what he's about to say. This is a long time. A very hard work. Man, Ray, you're spending a lot of time talking about this part. I know. Because... I'm having to do it, and you should be too, and it's very important that we do this. So he's proven to them, okay, you've trusted me in the past, now trust what I'm about to tell you for the future. 1 Samuel 12 and 6, then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, (laughs) hint, hint, America, And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them. Guys, do you see this? This right here that I just read, please look at what I just read. It is in the Bible. I didn't write it. The Lord wrote it. When they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them. God does that. My God would never do that. The God you made up wouldn't do it. The God of the Bible says right here, He sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Why would God do such a thing as that? Uh, 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 uh. Why would we forget the Lord God? That's the question. You forget the Lord your God. I'm going to live my life my way. Forget it, God. I've got my own way to go about things. He'll sell you. He, he, He can, and he's done it. And I always like to say this. If the Lord God would do this to his own people, Israel, what do us Gentiles think he'd do? Do we feel like we're better? We're not, we're not first to the Jew first. Okay. The blessings hit them first. I'm just glad I'm blessed to be uh, grafted into that. But if he would do this to his own people, what do you think he would do to us? He'd do it too. He sold them to their enemies. Now, what does it sound like Samuel's trying to do here when he says, and when they forgot the Lord their God? Isn't that kind of a jab in the ribs (laughs) to where Israel was at right now? It's like, remember those guys back then when they forgot God? Remember what he did? He sold them. Get it? It's like, hello, people, that's what you're doing now. What do you think's about to happen to you? You see why he established the trustworthiness thing up front, right? Because what he was about to tell him was heavy. <laughs> Israel told God, no. You tell your kids to do something. No. Does that just burn you up? <laughs> I mean, it does. What do you think it's doing to God? They told him, no, we reject you. We want a king to rule over us. Can you imagine the king of all kings 
saying, I'm going to do everything for you. And he's got his royal attire on. And they go, no, we want a king. What? Are you kidding? And so Samuel asks if he's trustworthy. They say yes. And so he tells them what happened when Israel forgot about God. They were handed to their enemies and into war. Samuel's trying to get the Israelites to reflect back to what has already happened to them in the past so that they can be warned about their future. This already went down before. It's coming back if you don't watch it. Now, as we read in the previous chapter, Saul led Israel in their first military victory, in, their first, in his first military battle, and everybody got excited about Paul, uh, Saul. But now the question is, would the people see that the victory was evidence that it was God's power that brought them that victory? Or would they see this as King Saul's achievement? Who won? Because God enabled Saul to win, or was it Saul's power that caused this victory? The people, I don't think, are seeing this yet. I don't think they're recognizing that. Would the people view this as a victory to turn back to glorifying God, or would they see it as a human victory that was devoid of God's influence? Oh no, Saul pulled this off. You would think it would at least start an argument. Some people would say, no, I think God did that. I don't see that argument happening here. Anyway, this is quite a moment here because Samuel wants the people to get a fresh perspective of God's sovereignty. If you forget about him, if you walk away from him, he can and will do this. He'll turn you over to the enemies. He wants them to understand the need to worship and praise God as the source of their blessings. Guys, we just did that this morning. We worship God for the source of our blessings. You didn't say, praise my 401k, did you? You didn't say praise my retirement or thank God for my bank account or, or even praise God for this government that, that, that I elected into office. Are you going to be happy this four years and depressed the next four years if your guy doesn't make it in office? Or does the Lord hold you up in joy no matter what? Who are you giving your glory to? So Samuel just literally reminded them that it was the Lord, not Saul, who brought them out of Egypt and redeemed them back to the land of their own that they were standing on. He said, you you saw that. He was talking about where where you're standing right now, this land, the home that you have. God brought up some guys to get you out of Egypt, to get you here. That's why you're even here. So did you forget about him, the Lord? Did you forget? God did all this. Israel had forgotten what all it took and who it took to get them to the very land that they were standing on, the very place they call home. Now Samuel is reminding them of when God, the king that they already had, was their provider and their protector. Remember they said, we want a king that will protect and provide. Well, you've got one. No, 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 no. We We want a guy. Ever do something great for your kids and they didn't care? Don't say it if you did, because some of those kids are in the room. (laughs) All the parents with kids in the room are going... I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> but it happens. And so Samuel reminded them that they were handed over to the Philistines. Now, why in the world would God ever hand a people over to their enemies? You ever hear people say, well, that can't happen in America. 9-11, it happened. God will do this. He will hand you over to your enemy. America, we need to repent and get right with the Lord. Why in the world would God hand people over to their enemies? And most people hearing me, some people hearing me right now are thinking that doesn't sound like the God I serve. Well, don't make up a God that fits your taste. Read the one in the Bible. Learn who he says he is. 
You need to get to know the God of Israel. And when you talk about God, don't just say God. Specify. Call him by name. Yahweh, the God of Israel. Tell people which God you serve. Everybody says, God, tell them which God. You've got to show people that you follow a specific God who outlines who he says he is in his word so that you can know who he is and what he expects of you so that we can get in line with him. That's very important. Now, God literally hands his people over to their enemies. But why? Why would God do that? To get them to do what Samuel says next in 1 Samuel 12.10. Look what the people do. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned. That's why he hands us over to our enemies to get us to say what they just said. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now, deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. That's why he does this. Well, that was for Israel, Ray. In the context, that was for Israel. I know. But why did he write down what happened between him and Israel? So that you and I could read this and see and understand what's going on, how he expects us to behave. Cry out to the Lord and say, we have sinned. I have sinned, God. Friend, let me ask you, are you going through a tough time? Have you been handed over to your enemies? You know what you ought to do? 1 Samuel 12, 10. Cry out to the Lord and say, I have sinned. Okay, if you're listening to me on the radio, you're sitting in your car, you're driving, and you kind of have me on in the background. Hello, ding, 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 ding. I'm getting your attention. What you need to do is say, Lord, I have sinned. If you didn't hear anything I said, hear that. (laughs) Listen to this. We have sinned. Those of you who might be hearing me right now that think God only exists just to serve you and shower you with blessing all the time, it says right here in 1 Samuel 12 that God hands His own people over to His enemies when they turn their backs on Him. Why? To get them to cry out to Him, to confess, we have sinned. We have sinned. Ray, you're being awful harsh on this subject because sin is harsher than I could ever be. Sin is rough. It took a crucifixion. It was barbaric to do away with it. Sin is harsh. It's rough. Yeah, I'm going to get hard on this subject. You bet. We have sinned. And that's why God would hand his own people over to their enemies when they forget and turn on him. In fact, like I said, if the, God would hand, if the God of Israel would hand the Israelites over to the enemies, what do you think he'd do to us Gentiles? Do you honestly believe he'd do this to the Israelites? But us Gentiles are untouchable for some reason. No. Now, this is not to discount the love and mercy and grace that God offers us, because he does. He does love us. And he does offer a love that you could never experience but through him. But when it comes to people turning from him and shaking their fist in his face after all the good things he's done for them and telling God no, then God has to bring in a little disciplinary action. You can choose your own sin, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along with it. Again, parents, man, you're making this rough on me, Ray. Well, my parents aren't in here, so I'm going to talk. (laughs) Parents, when your own children tell you no and they shake their fist in defiance at you, 
let's say, over cleaning up their room, what do you do? You implement some disciplinary action, don't you? And that changes the attitude pretty quick. You don't do that because you hate them. You do it because you love them, right? Your love is not any less just because you implement discipline. doesn't mean I hate you now. You love them. You love them enough to teach them that you are the one with authority, not them. You teach them that you are the provider, not them. You teach them that you have the wisdom to make the right decisions, not them, because it's for their safety and their provision. You are the protector. You are the parent, not them. And you know what's good for them, even though they don't know it themselves. How many of you have had your own parents tell you what's best for you? You didn't like it, went out and did it anyway, and found out they were right. We are blessed enough to have a son who came and told us one time, you were right. I don't know if y'all even said thank you about it. I don't know if you've all had that, but we have. And it was good to hear. So God knows better than we do by far. And sometimes he has to get tough with us to get through our hard head every time we start thinking we know better than he does. I praise God for that when he gets tough with me because he knows what's good for me when I don't. And so the people turn back to God. They cry out in confession and they said, we are sinners, save us. And look how God responds to a cry like this in 1 Samuel 12, 11. He says, and the Lord sent Jeroboam, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. Okay, now this is the God that I serve. I don't know about the God you serve. Here's the one I follow right here. When you repent and turn back to him with confession... Lord God, I have sinned. When you turn back in confession, then God's Savior steps in and gives you peace. That's the God I serve. And I want you to take your Bibles or your, your digital iPad things or whatever you can, and I want you to underline in verse 11. I want you to highlight or underline, sent, delivered, and safety. Sent, delivered and safety sent delivered and safety and because from now on anytime you open up your bible and you come anywhere near first samuel 12 so you're flipping and it, and it goes by and you see it i want you to see sent delivered and safety those are very important terms that we have here before us i want you to always see those three words i want them to jump off the page at you Because the Lord sent us a deliverer who gave us safety. That's why I want you to see the gospel. You got these people that say, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian. Hey, there's the gospel in the Old Testament right here. Sent, delivered, and safety. All in one one spot right there. And the Lord does that in response to a repentant cry of confession. Amen. There's the gospel in 1 Samuel 12. I'm always looking for that little, that red thread through the Bible right there. There it is. Okay, that is the God I serve. And so the people cried out, we send, God sent them a deliverer to bring them into safety. That's our God. I think Samuel's trying to give them the indication. This, can, this whole Saul thing can go one of two ways. He can either be a false God you serve wrongly and get you in trouble, or he could end up being the guy that saves you. It's your choice. Samuel continues speaking to the people in 1 Samuel 12 and 12. He said, And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.